Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey everyone, just me at the top of the show to one, thank you for downloading this episode of 100% Hits Volume Pod. And also to promote some shows I'm doing in Melbourne as part of the Melbourne International Comedy Festival at time, if you listen to this the day it comes out, I have three, uh, don't you know who I am, three o'clock on Saturdays at Morris House, which is ex-European Beer Cafe. Great, great lineups. Tickets are super cheap, only $15. Uh, so go to joshua.com.au, the one we put out last week, super fun. Uh, these weeks, it'll be just as fun, don't worry about that. Also, I'm doing my family show, Humankind, at the Q Courthouse. Big thanks to everyone who sold out the first show. If you're part of that audience, thank you very much. Hopefully your kids enjoyed it. Hopefully you enjoyed it as well. Also, I have a big, big show as part of the Melbourne International Comedy Festival Festival Club. Uh, So April 18, doing a live Don't You Know Who I Am with Mark Watson, Deanne Smith, Sarah Schaefer, and Ed Gamble. I'm very, very much looking forward to that. That'll be a great one. So it's Tuesday, the 18th of April. So get your tickets at joshell.com.au. Hey, you might see, notice my voice sounds a little bit croaky, doesn't it? I had a late night last night. was doing the 100% Hits Best of 97 uh, show at Festival Club. It was such a good night. It's up at patreon.com slash DYKWIA. That's patreon.com slash DYKWIA. It's in the show notes here. Just click that link. For uh, $5 a month, you can hear that and over 100 other episodes uh, of uh, bonus stuff. It's all there. It's all there for you. Um, and it helps me keep the lights on. I think that's all I need to say. Oh, no, I do need to say this. So this episode you're about to listen to, uh, my SD card on my Zoom recorder was corrupted when I went to uh, upload the file. So I'm using my computer mic, which, you know, it sounds fine. It just sounds different to how it normally sounds. That's all. But, you know, it's all still there. It's a very, very funny episode with John Hastings. So enjoy that. If you're in Melbourne, get a ticket. Come along to one of the many shows I'm doing. If you're not in Melbourne, join the Patreon. And, uh, yeah, listen to them. All the content that I'm doing in the Comedy Festival. That way... Enough for me. Enjoy this app. Hello, Gompies, and welcome to 100% Hits, Volume Pod, the podcast that looks at the greatest compilation series Australia ever produced. My name is Josh Earl, and joining me for the first time on the podcast, all the way from Canada, can you please welcome, it's John Hastings, everyone. Yay. Woo-woo. Oh, 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 oh. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, today we'll be talking about a uh, list of eight songs or nine songs. Nine uh, songs. All of, uh, all of which featured, uh, most, most of them featured at dances I attended when I was 12 at my at Broadview Elementary School, particularly number one by Janet Jackson, Together Again. Oh my God, the amount of times I danced with a woman named Fatima, well, a girl oh. at the time. We were both 12. Nice. Just dance. On the hips, around the shoulders. Oh, wonderful stuff. Well, yeah, you 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 grew up in Canada, sir. What I'm what I'm finding out about this compilation series is that anything a little bit country, a little bit rock and roll, huge in Canada. Yeah, uh, yeah. Canada does love some honky tonk. Canada loves bluegrass. Like, yep. Canada, like this is a weird music history, but you know, like the band, the band. Yeah. 
So you would listen to them and think they're all from Louisiana. One guy's from Louisiana and the rest are from Ontario. Like it's a big bluegrass place. It's still a big, like I took guitar lessons at the Ottawa Folklore Center. Like it's a place where folk music is still go. Stan Rogers, he's dead now, but like that guy has acapella hits. Yeah. Who has an I, acapella hit? Well, I look, we're recording this today. The Boy Genius album just got released. They start it with an acapella song. Can I just say? So for all my. Honestly, I don't. All the sad bisexuals can... listening, uh, have a have a great day. I hope you've had a big week. It's been a big week emotionally. Whom are by, uh, who are whom are boy genius? So boy genius, uh, Phoebe Bridges, Lucy Dacus, and Julian Baker, like three uh, singer songwriters who make very sad music together, like a folky Voltron. They come and they make the saddest saddest music. Of all Man. time. I got to tell you that John, uh, is John Grant, greatest motherfucker, dude, greatest motherfucker that you, that guy writes the on paper happiest, listen to it, saddest music you've ever, like, oh, yeah. would you like to open some veins? <laughs> um, hey, so this album that we're going to talk about came out in 98. Certainly did. You were in Canada. So we had, Canada were doing very well in music then. We had Alanis Morissette. Oh, baby. Not only from my hometown, oh. growing up, the amount of people that had stories of knowing Alanis Morissette because her dad was the principal of a school in like, it, it was it's not called the suburb, but using Australian terms in the same suburb I was in. Yeah. He was a principal at one of the schools. So the amount of people that had a like an absolutely fake, I know Alanis. I was there when she was first ironic. Yeah. Kind of story. Yeah. We also have Celine Dion. The queen. Nice. Keep your fucking watch where you fucking tread, mate. And that, Shania, woman, that woman's been through a fucking lot. Go ahead. Shania Twain. You're welcome. Yes. Thank you. And coming up, not this episode, but in a future one in like a week or two, Bare Naked Ladies. Oh, yeah. But, well, no, Bare Naked Ladies were still a thing. Bare Naked Ladies were a thing in Canada from like the oh. 80s. They, they were street performers. The Bare Naked Ladies are in many ways are Doug Anthony All Stars in that oh. they started as street performers. And then just were like, like a very like kind, fun family, like tee hee 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 yeah. for 10 years. And was just everyone kind of just like, was like, look at these nice boys, these nice boys. And then they got one week and everyone was like the good boys. And then that guy did coke with those two girls in Buffalo and they were the bad boys. Bad. I, didn't, I didn't even know that story. I can't wait to find yeah. out about it in two weeks time. All There's right. a giant lawsuit over the theme song to Big Bang Theory as a result. It is fascinating. Oh. All right. Well, we're going to kick off. It's side A. It's volume 24, side A. You've already mentioned who tops it, who who starts this song. It is an absolute banger, a number one single. This is Janet Jackson and Together Again. Here we go. There are times when I look above and beyond. There are times when I feel can I just, okay, do you remember the music video for this? I believe it was her in some sort of desert situation in yes, red. It absolutely now, was. This, I don't want to be a bit vulgar, but this was the time before internet pornography. So music videos were a real scene if you were a 12 or 13 year old chap. Yes. And I remember this music video being like, well, that's a lady and she is in some clothing. Perhaps those clothings will disappear. They do not. She just actually sings a nice song. But I remember that it was like a Trojan horse for getting me into Jackson based pop music was like, am I going to be able to jack? No, 
Yeah, we had this uh, TV show here called Rage, and it was on in the mornings. And sometimes you would uh, watch it with your family members, and sometimes I'd have to leave the room. I'm going, this, I can't, I can't be around my dad watching this. Can I just say the idea that there's a show in the morning called Rage is the most Australian thing I've ever. Good morning. <laughs> Fuck you. Well, it starts at like midnight and goes all the way until ten the next morning, and they just play, the... they just play film clips. The film clips and music videos. Yeah, people don't understand how like. You like people are like, how did we not see YouTube coming? And it's like, yeah, we used to have YouTube yeah. on like MTV or much music in Canada was just YouTube. It just showed music. Like it's so fucking wild. Yeah. And also Funniest Home Videos was one of the top shows. We loved watching that kind of stuff. America's Funniest Home Videos. Yeah. Bob Saget died. Bob Saget gave his family generational wealth because for eight years he was on the number one and number two show in America, which was Full House yep. and America's Funniest Home Videos. Because we had our own version. We had Australia's Funniest Home Videos. Same concept. Oh, but Who we had it? Was it Bob Hawk? No, it was Joe Beth Taylor hosted it. And there's a, they went through a few hosts. Katrina Roundtree. It was always young women, I think. But oh, we had a voiceover guy who would do funny voices over it. The and I'd say, I'd say he had like three voices in his arsenal. One of them was Frank Spencer. Every video had a, ooh, Betty, like over the top of it. And it was, yeah, it was a great show. Unironically, oh. just a great show. It's something that has been lost in society is the goofiness for goofy's sake thing. Like, yeah, because now it would be like, that bitch got what she deserved. And like back then it was just like, he fell on some pudding. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Janet Jackson in 97 was the highest paid musician in history. She just signed a deal with Virgin with $80 million. Holy shit. Do you think she called Michael and was like, now I'm the fucking, now I'm the man now, dog. Yeah. I reckon she saved the Michael call to last. First she called like Tito, then Jermaine, Latoya. Then, then the others. It's so, <laughs> so many. So the Jacksons, much like the population of Russia, once you get into it, you always just think, how many of these fucks are there? Like, there's yeah. so many Jacksons. All right, but with all that money, J Janet was not happy, okay? And uh, she was depressed. She was self-harming. She started therapy. She had a spiritual guru. And she was having daily coffee enemas. Have you ever had an enema, Josh? I've had an enema, not a coffee one. but I, I've never had an a colonic, because I yeah had to. I went to three three colonic sessions. I did I did a juice cleanse, which is kind of like uh, doing a colonic from the other way for yeah. nine days, and I I found the process interesting, but I didn't like I didn't walk away being like yeah. I walked away being like that. So that's what it's like when you have to shit. Yeah, it. it I didn't enjoy it. It was just something I, yeah. I felt I had to do. All right, so uh, for this album, it was off the Velvet Rope album. Classic album. This she, is her. This is her fucking white album. Like I don't think yeah. she did. She do anything else after this? Uh, a little bit, but nothing to this this extent. No. So they essentially paid eighty million dollars for the Velvet Rope, which they got back. They got their money back. All right. Well, yeah. do I? Damn, I didn't want them to. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> uh, but uh, she teamed up with uh, Jimmy Jams and uh, Terry Crew again. Terry Lewis, I mean, uh, again, who she'd worked with in the past. And so the songs reflected her, uh, how she was dealing. She was dealing with her self-image, her sexual freedom, and the grief of losing a loved one. So this was the first single. Janet wanted to go with Got Till It's Gone, the which uses the Joni Mitchell. Uh, uh. Yeah. 
But the label went, oh, we can't see that and play it on radio because they're idiots. And so they chose this, yeah. which is also an amazing song. They had a lot lot to uh, yeah, talk about. She also wrote this. Say, oh, yeah. I just say I love the idea of a record company executive going, bad news. Uh, Joni Mitchell, not popular. And you're like, are you fucked, mate? Like, people pay tickets to look at her in a chair. Put the fucking song on the radio, you dumbo. Uh, this song was also written with her then partner. She secretly married him and didn't announce the marriage until they announced the divorce in 2003. A guy called Renee Elizondo Jr. Oh, fuck. Did she also have something with Jermaine Dupree or did I make that yeah, up? Yeah, no, she did. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Janet Jackson, on. you can really tell she wants to, like, she, you can really tell that her father was a piece of shit named Joe Jackson because she's not looking, she's not looking for a gent in the looks department. She's like, who can protect me? Because yes. Jermaine Dupree looks like that fish you find at the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. Well, they met when she was 16, which is always oh, a weird, weird thing. No, yeah. She's no, currently no. getting a divorce. She's currently going through a divorce. She married a Qatari businessman, a guy called Wissam Almana, uh, who she has a child with. So she's just, Married someone even wealthier than her. Go on, Janet. Fill your boots, mate. She's doing great. So the album's amazing. This song is amazing. It got to number one, stayed there for two weeks, sold six million copies worldwide. And at every gig she's done since, she's performed this song in concert. You'd, you'd have to. It's such yeah, a great song. You'd have to. Uh, it was, the album was banned in Singapore, though, because it was pro-homosexuality. And then she debuted this song here in Australia. It was the first time she ever played it anywhere on, You're welcome. A, on a TV show called Hey, Hey, It's Saturday. Oh, oh you know, fuck. great. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. I <laughs> fucking love Hey, Hey, It's Saturday. It is peak insane. No one talks about the time in the eight late eighties and the nineties television was just whatever you want it to be. They got the puppet. Yep. They got that fucking red noses competition where all those people <laughs> did blackface. Ironically called the Jackson jive. Yeah. That show fucking what's even better is the host has now come out we couldn't do hey hey it's saturday yeah you can't be overtly racist on television anymore you <laughs> old fuck get in a fucking bin you dumbo well this was post aussie ostrich which was for the younger listeners daryl summers hosted the show and he had a, a a pink ostrich next to him on the desk who would just be his sidekick for an adults tv show i know it's not a kids tv show but they still remain anyway aussie's aussie's not in the show anymore but they have uh, Joe Beth Taylor next to him. And she sings this song and then everyone in the audience is there to see her. It's like people are going absolutely crazy. So Daryl goes over to her, does a bit of a five-minute interview with her on the stage she just performed on, and he just starts talking about the Melbourne Cup that was raced that week in Australia. I she love has, this show. This, she has no is. idea what he's talking about. But this is always what happens. It's like he's watching a different show. Yeah, he doesn't care. He's done no research. And he just starts talking it, about, no, oh, no, Might and no, Power no, 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 won. No, 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 no. And uh, are you into horse racing? The indication of he's done no research indicates that at some point the show still seems like it's grounded in reality. It doesn't seem like he knows he's doing a TV show most of the time. <laughs> Like, it literally seems like they keep just shoving him in front of it. Oh, hello, thing that looks like a penis gun that has an eye. I, I don't know. Oh, The other brilliant. great thing is Janet has, uh, what's the nose ring in between the, like, cartilage of your nose there? In between. Not the nostril one, but the, in it's between. It's the cow one. I always think yeah. it's the cow loop one. Janet has that. She has that pierced. 
and he he can't not mention it. He has to mention it. And he goes, oh, I don't have any piercings. Do you think I should get one? And she goes, yeah, I think you should get a Prince Albert. And the place goes crazy. He has no idea what, oh, what it means. And she goes, oh, he's, he's trying to ask him questions. He goes, oh, where's that? And she goes, is that on my nose? And she goes, no, it's lower. And then he finally clicks. And she says, oh, I think, are you married? She goes, he goes, yeah, I think your wife would like it. And then John Blackman up in the up in the booth, he goes, oh, and it's like, yeah, it's full on pantomime and it's great. I love it. I want them to bring back Hey Hey It's Saturday, but they could never do it because I want him to be as unaware as he would. And you know, he would just veer into politics so quickly oh. now. And it would just be so unfun. Every now and then they do bring a special back uh, in this country. All right, moving on. This, it's a cover by uh, a band called Hot Chocolate. This is a band who you can't Google uh, just this band because they're called T-Shirt and You Sexy Thing. Absolutely not. I'm done. Not, I'm done liking this song. I liked it before. I do not like the singing. It sounds like there's a bunch of 11 year olds about to get sexy, which is not ever what I'm looking for from a song. <laughs> Who approved this? What cokehead oh. in Hollywood went? Ah, perfect. A sexy song for sexy kids. Ah, gris. All right, I think that's all we need to know. So it's a British duo, and it's like this is off the back of the Spice Girls. This is clearly the going. Oh yeah, your power's huge. What can we do? Let's do a cheesy cover. Two strong, sassy women. Get them out there. Let's make some money, and that's exactly what they've done. So the uh, it's one of those things. It's so interesting how many times they tried to replicate the success of the Spice Girls, and it almost worked. So, like All Saints, it almost worked. These guys, I'm sure, it almost worked. But like, there was something about those five women in that combination where you're just like, Viva! Yeah. Whatever. So the two two uh people in this band, it's Chloe Treend, who was an actress, and uh Miranda Cooper, who was a singer. Uh it got popular in Australia, got to number six here, number five in New Zealand, and in the UK, only number sixty-five. They did oh, not care. Yourself. Yeah, they were like, nah, we've got the Spice Girls, we've got all saints, we don't need t-shirt. I uh I've always enjoyed the idea of being a band that's big somewhere, you know what yeah. I mean? Like being big in Japan, that sort of thing. I always think that's so fucking fascinating and funny. I'm just like, there's a comedian in the States that's just big in the state of Maine named oh. Bob Marley. And we mean like he lives in Maine and plays hockey arenas in one state and then can't get booked other places. It's the best. It's so good. So Miranda still is in music. Okay, she started off as a backing uh, dancer and singer with Danny Minogue, as well as Gina G, who we've talked okay. about in a previous episode. Yes, Ooh, uh, just a little bit. Uh, so she's written a bunch of songs with her writing partner called Brian Higgins under the alias Xenomania, X-E-N-O-M-A-N-I-A. So she wrote songs for the Sugar Babes, huge band. Uh, their number one UK single, Round and Round. Plus she wrote for Girls Aloud. She's also written for Kylie Minogue and the forgotten classic song by Gabriella Chilmi, Sweet About Me, which, in my opinion, is a perfect pop song. She's wow. nailed it. Yeah. 
more perfect than everything that Ky our Kylie has done, though, Josh? Uh, look, listeners will know I want Kylie for the very last episode of this, so I'm not going to say anything bad about her. But look, Gabrielle Chilmy, she only has the one song, and it's it's amazing. I don't want to be disrespectful, but you're you're so wrong. Kylie <laughs> Minogue, like, can't get you out of my head. Go fuck yourself. That is the best part. Like, you, put, you hear that beat? And you're just like, oh, yeah, baby, fucking crank it in this Myers. Yeah. So, Confide in Me, I think, is also an amazingly perfect song. Oh, I didn't realize you were drunk in the daytime, Josh. That's that's, that's the that's, only way you come to that conclusion. That's a great song. Great well, song. Well. Uh, T-shirt, not so great. This is it. They One and done for them. Yeah, see in hell, T-shirt. Yeah, fucks. All right, moving on to another band who often get lumped in with the one-hit wonder, even though they are not one-hit wonders. They'd been going for 15 years before this came out. This is Chumbawamba. Yes. And their song, Tub Thumping. The radio edit, which was what was on the album. So here we go. Of course. Oh my God, this song was everywhere. It's Holy busy. fuck. <laughs> And ironically, by a bunch of London squatting anarchists, yeah. they made a fucking pop masterpiece. Oh, go on, brothers. Did they say pissing the night away? Yeah, pissing it away. Yeah, because it's just about getting fucked up and then being hung over. That's, oh, no wonder. What a classic. Yeah, I, this song's great. It's, uh, it's... I hope they all got go, some money go. and they all bought a nice flat in London and probably they didn't and they all fucking hate each other because one guy got all the money is what I'm going to predict. No. Luckily, they are. They're not together, but they had a good run after this and they split up amicably. But right. they did burn a few bridges along the way. Oh, yeah, baby. So they're from Burnley. They're called Chumbawamba. Very political before yeah. this. Uh Anarcho-communist political leanings is what they said they had. And uh, they had songs about animal rights, pacifism early in their career. Later in the year, they're like, nah, pacifism doesn't work. Fucking start, like, blowing up some houses. Uh, class struggle, Marxism, feminism, gay liberation, pop culture, and anti-fascism. In 89, they were involved in a compilation called Fuck EMI. And then in 97, well, money talks, John, when you've been a band for 15 years. Yes, and does. they signed with EMI. Yes, very and, uh, Sex Pistols move, by the way. The, yeah. A little bit of music history is for any sort of British and acro punk EMI sort of represented like that were the Sex Pistols label that then dropped them when they went on that fucking guy's show and said fuck a bunch of times. Yeah. And they kind of became the symbol of corporate bullshit within British punk movement. So like any indie punk band at this time would have some EMI reference. Yeah. They were like the Tories of the day. And, but, uh, and then, of course, you signed with EMI because you want to make... Fat stacks. Yeah, well, this angered a lot of fans and also fellow bands and a band called Oi Poloi, which is a great punk name, Oi Poloi. And a good band, by the yeah. way. Well, they uh, released an... Uh, of course they did. ...an EP called uh, Bare Faced Hypocrisy Sells Records, uh, and it was the anti-Chumbawamba EP. So, I mean, here's where I come down with all of this. As someone that has taken gigs that would go against some of his morals for the fact that you need money yeah 
and by what I'm talking about is like I went and have done cruise ships and I never wanted to do cruise ships. But you know what? You know what fucking talks? Money. And you know yeah. what walks? Bullshit. So yeah. I, I decided, I said I'd never do anything for sports bet. I don't like gambling. And then when the Australian basketball men's basketball team played the American men's basketball team in Melbourne, Sportsbet offered me free tickets and I went, Thank you, Sportsbet. What a Yep. Yep, I got yep. I got no oh. money, but I got an, an experience and good seats, and it was great. It's interesting. Uh, it's uh, in this life, people will call your bluff, yeah. and you, my friend, have called it. Thank you. I will take those <laughs> tickets. Goodbye. All right. Well, uh, they, the band, said, "Look, we were the, uh, our label, One Little Indian, and they didn't have the evil symbolic significance of EMI. However, they were completely motivated by profit. All these companies are motivated by profit. No one's putting out albums because they don't want to make their money back these days." And so they went, we're just going to get our money and also get our message out to a wider audience. That's what, yeah, that's right. what they said. Uh, and, but just because they signed with um, with a, a major label didn't mean they kind of stopped being punks. And uh, they had a, a member of the band, the female member called Nutter. Uh, she was on the American show Politically Incorrect. Was that a Bill Maher Push. one? That was the original Bill Maher one. That one got cancelled because... Um, he said that the people that uh, committed the 9-11 terrorist act were uh, not cowards and Americans are. And within context, his point is an interesting one and can philosophically to be debated around ideology and tactics. But in the moment, it was like, oh, would you shut the fuck up, yeah. Bill? Well, she, she was on the show and she said that uh, she encourages all their fans to uh, who couldn't afford to buy the CD, just go and steal it from HMV and Virgin. Uh, and Virgin totally agree with her. Virgin then removed the album from shelves and sold it like cigarettes behind the counter. Even better. That's yep. even fucking better. Good for you. How dangerous how dangerous is that we get up again, guys? Well, yeah. you have to buy them like fucking razor blades in an American pharmacy. Uh it didn't affect sales. So the song went to number two in the UK, held off the top spot by Will Smith's Men in Black. Yeah, you're not beaten. Here come the men in black. It got to six in the US. But was number one in Australia, Canada, Ireland, Italy, and New Zealand. It also was number three in the hottest 100 here in '97. Uh, so you know it was getting played everywhere. Um, Nutter also uh, got in a lot of trouble in the music paper uh, Melody Maker because she said that nothing can change the fact that we like it when cops get killed. Yeah, that's a that's a rough one, eh? Yeah, and then EMI forced her to make an apology and her apology said, if you're working class, they won't protect you. When you hear about them, it's in the context of them abusing people. Miscarriages of justice. We don't have a party when cops die. You know we don't. Hang on, wait a minute. Uh, is uh, I can't believe that someone from a lower middle class situation in the London suburbs would have problems with the Met. Wow, yeah. I've never heard of it before. Well, oh, do you know how we were kind of saying money talks? Well, they did They did turn down a, a large sum of money after this song was released. Nike wanted to uh, use the song in their World Cup ad and they offered them $1.5 million and the band said it took us 30 seconds to say nope. Good for them. Good for them. Yeah. that's. I think that that's great. It's one thing from taking money from a music company if you're a band. It's another thing of going, we're not – Going to sell it to a corporation. Yeah. I, by the way, me, who doesn't have anacro-communist tendencies in all of his art, Mikey, if you want to use one of my jokes for $1.5 million, <laughs> it will take me 30 seconds to suck on your assholes <laughs> to say yes. 
<laughs> Nike, I would say yes. So if you want to use this podcast for anything, I'll say yes. Send me some use it, yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Can I have all the money now? Can, yeah. I, can you just give it to me? Can I just have it in a bag? All right, here we go. Next song. It's Entrance and Rod Stewart together. Finally. And their version no. of No, I don't think you're sexy. I fucking it's called... hated this song. No, 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 not, no, no. Not do you. It's Daya think I'm sexy. Here I we do go. not oh here, here we, we go. John. Okay, put it on, put it on. Okay, I already hate this song, and here's why. I don't like when they're singing or talking before in the ramp up. I want to hear that's the time for the musicians. That you're not a sexy baby. I do not drive you crazy. Is that guy going yeah or is he yeah. going Ugh. yeah? It sounds like he's going. No, I don't like this. I don't like the '90s. Rapping? No. Hard pass. Hard pass. Rod Stewart makes the worst decision in that he's a very successful person and his fans love him. But like this is crap. And then he went from this, the rest of his career is him doing easy listening standards in a tux. And it throws. It fucking sucks. Oh, fuck off, Rod. There's Rod. I mean, that voice does rule, though. It's Holy a good fuck. voice. Can't you just right, see Rod Stewart play. just shaking his shoulders at a microphone to this? Just, and yeah, hey, yeah. Well, fucking Ronnie Woods in a bush just smoking. It's fucker. I fucking am. I, I listened to the uh, Fly on the Wall podcast, Danny Carvey, David Spade, and mm. Jay Leno was the uh, current guest. I started and, that one this week. I haven't finished it yet, but I'm excited. I love a Jay Leno podcast. What yeah. Loki, one of the best podcast guests, doesn't give a fuck. No. We'll tell crazy stories. Like, ooh, Jay Leno said something bad about me. You're going to go after Jay Leno? The guy, he, he didn't spend his Tonight Show money. You want to go to war with the guy who's got a steam car? Yeah, well, he, talks, he tells a story of he and Dana Carvey and Rod Stewart were booked for this billionaire's wedding. So, I haven't gotten to this yet. I'm so excited. No one listened. No one. They're up there doing jokes. No one's listening. Everyone's just eating their food. Rod Stewart gets up there to sing songs and people are talking over it. Apparently David Crosby played in the foyer as people walked through and everyone just walked past him. And anyway, so Rod Stewart got paid a million dollars to play like a half hour set and have people not even not even listen to it. Oh, anyway, really Rod's great. Anyway, so this uh, this song was used in the film Not at the, not at the Roxbury. Uh, it's a remix Certainly of was. sorts, yes, because uh, Rod is in it, uh, in the song. The original the original song apparently was a reaction to the Bee Gees' Saturday Night Fever because Rod saw it and it made him nervous that rock stars were no longer going to get girls. So he wrote this song to prove I, that rock guys can actually have one-night stands. I love the insecurity of 70s rock stars. The amount of cocaine that they were doing, they were like, oh, my God, these... These British men with hairy chests are going to steal all the babes. I better yeah. get in that studio. Oh, fucking get me some white satin pants. I, I haven't done a lot of drugs in my life. I've never done so many drugs where I went. I'll tell you what's fashionable. A lot of scarves and no shirts. And the tightest, the tightest crotch jeans or uh, I mean, I'm, you can ever I'm not find. against that. I do love a nice tight trouser. You know what I mean? A real fucking just let everyone know what religion you are. Oh, uncircumcised. Yes. Yeah. Mum was Anglican. 
Well, this was a big hit in Australia. Got to number three, the eleventh highest selling single of the year in ninety seven. Oh, that's embarrassing. Got to one in New Zealand and in Canada, did not chart. John. Yeah, fuck yeah, Canada. Okay. <laughs> We don't think you're sexy. <laughs> All right. So we haven't talked about Rod Stewart on the show before. We have talked about Entrance. So here's some Rod Stewart facts. Okay. He holds the Guinness World Record for the largest ever concert in Rio de Janeiro when 4.2 million people turned up to see a free concert he was doing. Although many, many Brazilians say they were not there for Rod Stewart, they were there for the midnight fireworks. <laughs> That's good. That's really, really, really good. Because yeah, I thought that Garth Brooks had. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say. I understand on paper, Rod Stewart. I'm still giving it to Garth Brooks because Garth Brooks shut down New York. Like he did a concert in yeah. uh, Central Park, and three hours beforehand, they were like, "We officially don't know how many people are here. Every part that we had for the concert is full. We're now just letting people into the park to avoid a riot." Yeah. See, Australians do not understand how big Garth Brooks was. Like he was big here, whoa, but not whoa, like was was. <laughs> Sorry, I I forgot. I'm more a Chris Gaines fan. Uh... We're all more a Chris Gaines fan. That fucking it's the great Garth Brooks. You got to get into Garth Brooks, not just because some of the songs are bangers, but as a guy, it is it is is it answers the question. What happens if there is very little resistance towards international acclaim? Oh, you go fucking crazy because that guy yeah. was like. I'm going to make a movie about a rock star, but I better make the soundtrack first. That'll create interest in making the movie. And that's the Chris Gaines album, which he, his wife still defends. I love Garth Brooks. Garth Brooks is the best. All right. Well, Rod Stewart has sold over hundred million albums. Is in the rock and roll hall of fame twice. Once he went in solo in 94 and once with the band, the faces in 2012. Makes sense. And he's before he was a singer. Okay, he went to an audition to become a singer with a well-known producer called Joe Meek. This is in 61. He wanted to get work, so he was singing for Joe when Joe apparently let out the loudest fart and then then at the end said, that'll do, kid. And then Rob walked out going, yeah, I didn't get the part. I mean, I always think about in those early 60s and all those like singer songwriter auditions. You understand, like, the people auditioning are Rod Stewart, Elton John, yeah, Donovan, like, like the guy that's like, don't see it. And it's like fucking Reginald Dwight, like, folding up his like giant case of costumes. Well, I think you'll find that Donald Duck can be the tiny dancer. (laughs) Oh, it's the best. All right, let's move on. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. A band we've talked about a lot. We're going to talk about them a little bit more. This is though you forget how quickly their their kind of star burn out. But my God, it burnt bright. This is those girls of spice, and this is their song "Too Much." 
Okay, what's not recognized about the Spice Girls, Josh, in my opinion, is that it's not just, A, all of their songs sound like other great songs. Like, this song sounds like a James Bond song. Yes. So, like, everyone's like, oh. The other thing is, every album had, like, eight singles, and they were just everywhere. Like, yeah. every, there was, like, a, like, when fucking Jerry left, people were, but like, what do we do now? Like... I worked at a summer camp and at my elementary school and high school. There would be talent shows. And up until when I was 16, always one of the talents was just people pretending to be the Spice Girls. Yeah. Yeah. I gotta tell you, I listen. I grew up in the punk and heavy metal scenes of Canada, and I still will say this: Spice Girls, fucking, you're not changing the channel if this comes on the radio. It's just listen to the hooks in this song. Like it is, yeah, literally like you fall off a cliff onto the. Oh, well done, girls. Well, this was from their second album, uh, Spice World, and it's from. The, the film was also called Spice World. The album Spice World is all one word. The film, two words. I don't know why. It just is. That smells I, That smells like a copyright situation. Here's my question, because what are the, what are their albums? Yeah, there's Spice, Spice World, Forever. Like, the other thing is three albums. Yeah. yeah. How many bangers can you get out of three fucking albums, gals? Well fucking played. All right. This was it. the second uh, single from the album. Uh, written mainly by Jerry, although everyone had had their own hand in it. Uh, Jerry says it was she had the idea. Her and Mel C kind of got the bones of it, and then the others contributed like verses and stuff. But how they were filming this, they were so big, and because they were writing their songs as well, they had other people coming in and like offering mm. ideas and stuff. But they were they were you know creative control pretty much. They were filming it each day, and then on set they had a mobile recording studio set up in a Winnebago. And when they weren't recording, they'd go in and, re like, when they weren't filming, they'd go and record. And they were like, oh, we're working crazy hours trying to write this album, do this, and, yeah. So it went to number one Put their UK. energies in the right place. If you see the movie Spice World, you're like, well, this is a bunch of people that are distracted. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, they are. They're making a good album and a bad movie. That was the right order, by the, the way. Right way to pick it. Yeah. Well, it went to number one in the UK, uh, this song. Their sixth straight single to do that. And it was the first time a UK group had ever done that with their first six singles. Wow. It was the last time they ever got the top 10 in America with this song. Is that true? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. In Australia and Canada, got to number nine. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. And the line, uh, what part of no don't you understand, which they say in it, uh, was inspired by a T-shirt Jerry saw. And when I say inspired, it was completely stolen. She yeah, just she stole from a t-shirt yeah. she saw? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. welcome to music. Yeah. But I agree with you. I think they their songs are absolute earworms. Yeah. Like, they just know how to make a fucking banger, bro. Like, it's just good for them. I listen to a lot of music in, in do the research of this, and it's always the Spice Girls songs that get stuck in my head days later. Like, yeah. All right. What's the one where they're in the desert and they're all pretending to be assassins? That fucking song 
slaps. I can't remember which one that is, but I'll, we'll look it up after. Listen, so let me know. Hey, we're going to take a break. We're back very, very soon. And we're back. All right. From Spice Girls to a singer, if rumours are to believe, was in a band that inspired Simon Cowell to form the Spice Girls. This is Australian Robin Leu with her song, Sick With Love. She was in the band called Girlfriend. Here we go. Okay, here's what's interesting about this song is you can really tell that it is sort of the artistic expression of like a like you know cool sounding poppy woman kind of confidently talking about love. You can see where the germ of the Spice Girls idea came from, but you can really see the difference between a music industry professional is getting their hands on it and a musician doing it. You see yeah. what I mean? Like it's a little bit more Portishead. It's that very '90s techno-y edge to it. Like it's great. Yeah. But it's one of those things where you're like. This will get in the top 100. This ain't getting the top 10. Like. It's more the long game. We want a, we want a career, not just a pop hit. Correct, yeah. Yeah, let me put it this way. Cli- this is an inside reference. Clive Davis would love this song. Simon Cowell would go, I'm going to steal this idea and make it pop here. Yeah. That's the difference between those two guys. Take that, Simon. All right. Hey, we'll am I the there. first person on this show that's actually met Simon Cowell? I, I'd say so, yes. Yeah, met Simon Cowell. How I is did he? Amer- I, I did America's Got Talent of the day COVID started, so we were a great distance away. Uh, but he was very nice. He originally did not like my stand-up comedy, but then changed his mind because everyone else liked it, and yep. I was doing stand-up to no one the day a pandemic started. Because Howie Mandel was one of the judges, right? Certainly was. Who's one of the world's most famous germaphobes. Huge germaphobe. Uh, he mentioned it because at one point this was cut out, but I just went, Hey, cause it's COVID. Can you guys touch that red, that gold buzzer so I can just come back? And he was like, and he went, mate, it's, co-. he went, man, it's COVID. I ain't touching anything. And I yeah. we both had a, <laughs> well, that was, I was going to say, did that make you feel comfortable going, Oh, if he's here, it must be safe. No, I didn't. It was so early on. I didn't even think about it. It was, it was, it was when we thought it was on our hands, Josh. I I understand. I was, I was doing the comics lounge the night that, so I was doing that for the week and the guys who run the comics lounge, I was like, Hey, you feeling? And he's like, mate, if LeBron James is still playing basketball, uh, we're going to open up. Okay. Yeah. And then the next day the NBA shut down and I'll go in that night. I'm like, how are we doing? He goes, well, that's in America, mate. Like, And I'm like, okay. But Luke McGregor was headlining. And I was like, well, if Luke McGregor is happy enough to come out, I'm fine. Okay. Yeah. As soon as Luke shuts it down. All right. All right. I'm out. Okay. Yeah. All right. So anyway, back to Robin Lau. So I've talked about Girlfriend, the band on my other podcast, Pod Machine on Patreon. So if you want to go hear about that, $5 a month on Patreon. There you go. All about Girlfriend. But this was Robin, who was the star of that group there's always one okay she was she was the beyonce of the group she left she's starting new 
leaving her pristine pop behind for something a bit grittier, like you said, a bit Porter's head, a bit of that trip hop kind of stuff. Uh, in 96, before this came out, uh, or two years, uh, she was in a film called Idiot Box by David Caesar. Have you ever seen it, John? I have not. It's a gritty Australian drama. You know how we love to make de- the world's most depressing films? Oh, yeah, you do love a... And then they thought they escaped the murderer, but turned out they had cancer the whole time. Yeah, well, it's got Ben Mendelsohn in it, Mendo. Uh, and I haven't seen the film for a long time, but I can say the uh, soundtrack was played an awful lot in my uh, in my house, in my share house when I was at uni, because it has uh, some. It's got a very good soundtrack with UMI songs and Hoss and Snap and can Magic Dirt say- doing a great cover of My Power by God. People have really missed out on the movie soundtrack where you're like, holy shit, that movie was shit, but these are some banging. Yeah, mid '90s rock to, uh, uh, rock choices. Yeah, it really like I I've, I've never seen The Crow, but I've listened to the soundtrack a lot in my youth. <laughs> yeah, you did it the right way. Yeah, uh, so this song was written uh, with and produced by UK producer Adamski, who had a number one UK single with Seal in 1990 with the song Killer. I only the only Seal song I know, and it's the only Seal song everyone should know. Kiss from a Rose from oh, yeah. the Batman Forever soundtrack. There you go. Uh, you should listen to his song Crazy as well. It's a good song. All right. Now, this song got a heap of playing Triple J, got to 21 on the Aria charts, 76 on the Hottest 197. Rolling Stone reviewed it by giving it four stars and saying that she is the answer, Australia's answer to Porter's Head. Huge praise. But also, pump the brakes a bit, Rolling Stones. That's a bit, bit much. Right. So you think I actually wouldn't disagree. I actually think that it does sound like Australia's answer to Porter's head and someone needed to answer to Porter's head. Yes. So you would think then, Robin, big things are about to happen for her. Absolutely not. Well, only weeks prior to the scheduled commercial release of her debut album Malaria, Robin was dropped from the label Polygram during their merge with Universal Music and the album was shelved. Oh, fuck. Even though it had a song that made like 21 on the charts, was being played on Triple J to a huge audience, had a four-star review in Rolling Stone, they went, nah, not for us. It wasn't released until 2008. Because they wouldn't release it anyway. They're not going to release it, but they're also not going to let someone else release it. Oh, fuck me. But guess what, John? What, Josh? Did the people care? No, we didn't care that it was released in 2008. No one really knew it was released. Kind of just went hidden. But you can get it on Spotify now if you want to listen to it. Insane. Good. It's fucking insane. It's so sad. Oh, just fucking. Like, yeah. It's... Show business, really? When it's the business part of show business, you get fucking fucked. Well, Girlfriend, the band got absolutely fucked. They, like, would working so long hours all because they wanted to break the Japanese market. And so they're all studying Japanese so they could go and do interviews and just they were getting paid like 200 bucks a week and just doing gig after gig after gig after gig and they'd sign this terrible contract anyway that's that's Robin Lau and I'm sorry that it happened to you Robin come on the show if you're listening all right moving on now when I saw this on the list I was like I have never heard this song and within seconds I was like oh not only do I know this song I remember the film clip so well this is go ahead Dario G and their song Sun Chime mm-hmm. spelt with a Y.
I want to note when I listened to this, I did not recognize it, and I once again do not. I thought I was going to this time when Josh was like, and then I recognized it. I'm like, maybe I'll get it this time. Still have no idea where this is from. It also does sound like a piano is being played. Yeah. You don't know this? No, sir. Never got... Okay. I grew up cool. It's also a Canada thing. Canada's weird in that, like, sometimes, like, the movie A Christmas Story was never big in Canada. Like, just certain odd things are like, we don't have that. Yeah. It's like how Australia doesn't have Wendy's, but you do have Carl's Jr. How can you use it? Yeah. Our, our Wendy's is a milkshake place. Not a burger place. With square burgers. Oh, God. Damn it, I do actually, right? Now that I listen, yeah. where is this from? All right, so I'll pause it there. So it's pretty much, it samples a song uh, by the Dream Academy called Life in a Northern Town. That's that, that song. Yeah. So that was a song, I think, in the early, mid-80s, mid I think. Uh, but they didn't sing the verses. Okay, so this is from Dario G. It's their debut single. Dario G is not just one person. It's three people. Uh, Dario G wanted to call the album Super Dario Land. <laughs> but, so it's smart. But instead they called it Sun Machine. Um, smart. Because, because the label like, no, don't call it Super Dario Land. Yeah. Okay. That'll be a cat, mate. It peaked at number two in the UK. The number one song was Elton John's Candle in the Wind. See in hell. Not beating that. You, <laughs> he fucking rubbed out Diana to make that song a number one, fuckos. Get, get in the fucking bin. Enjoy being fucking, enjoy the silver medal. You, you are running a race against the, key, <laughs> the queen, baby. Ow, ow. Well, the thing was, there'd never been a greater gap between number one and number two in the UK charts ever. <laughs> and it hasn't been replicated. No one, unless you were alive and aware at the moment. What, here is what happened. Is Elton Jung rewrote the words to Candle in the Wind, sang them at Diana's funeral, and everyone on the earth went, well, I guess I'm buying that fucking yeah. stupid single. We had it in our house. Like my mom, she liked she liked Diana. She loved her. Oh and, my uh, yeah. god, my mom, my mom. It's interesting. I always thought she loved the royal family. She just was sort of into the saga of Diana. But I remember when Diana died, she stayed up all night just wa- like I got up and I was like, "Have you been up all?" I was like a kid, and she was like, "I was up all night." I'm like this is yeah. wild shit. All right, so this uh, got top five in nine countries. It got to twenty two in Australia. It got to number one in one country only. And listeners, you know what country it is. That's right. Those Hungarians, they loved it. Wild. wild so many, wild so many number ones in Hungary. All right. Now, they are three people, Dario G. It's Scott Rosser, Paul Spencer, speaking of Diana, and Stephen Spencer. The two Spencers are not related. Just of course. Him. The band's original name was just called Dario, but there was another Dario who sent them a cease and desist, and so they just added a G in tribute to two men, one the crew Alexander football club manager, Dario Grady, and the other, Kenny G. I was going to say Kenny G. Yeah. Good for them. Yeah. And so the film clip is, uh, if you don't know it or don't remember it, it's a bunch of dancers in, it looks like they're in Africa and they're like body painted to be different African animals. And they all kind of come together and then run through and dance through the desert till they get to a waterfall and then they jump in the waterfall and they wash off the body paint and then they're just like hot dancers and it's, yeah. 
I remember. I do not remember that. So I think it was at the end of a movie, or I'm thinking of the song they sampled. Either way. Yeah. I what well, it was at the end of Dairy Girls. If you've seen uh the first season, it's in the final, oh, final episode. Fuck, that's probably where it's from then. God, yeah, that show's a banger, by the way. I haven't seen it. My wife is watching it, she loves it. Chef um, recommends. There you go. All right, moving on. Moving on. Texas. This, yes, this is a band that we talked about two weeks ago, and we talked about the great song, Say What You Want. This was uh there was another song in between, but this is uh off the same album, White and Blonde. This is Black Eyed Boy. That's what we need to play. Okay, so this it sounds like an old Motown track. Okay, got to... it does, which is also why it's so weird that they're called Texas because the band Texas should be a country rock band and not like. But none of their other stuff really sounds like this as well. Anyway, it was top yeah, five. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they were put together by a producer. Like if you found a guy named Arnold that was like, "Get me three women." No, Texas Texas uh, had been performing, they had a hit in 1990 and then they were performing in the 80s. They were like, you know, just a, a UK kind of uh, guitar band. And then uh, one of the uh, big, I think it was Chris Evans, one of the big radio DJs over there was like, hey, Texas, you should be doing more stuff. I love, I love to play Texas. And so they kind of went, oh, there's a demand there. So they got back in the studio, they wrote White on Blonde and uh, it went pretty well for them, went six times platinum uh q magazine ranked it as the 86th greatest album of all time which can i say insane so insane (laughs) like this album is not is not better than any beatles album there was eight of eight or nine of them like yeah yeah you got that wrong guys (laughs) i mean it it might be better than yellow submarine i don't want to be a cunt yellow submarine is fine like listen even the even babe ruth fucking struck out once in a while guys like i'm sorry we all live in a yellow submarine. Ringo, I wish you drowned. So how how so I was going through this, I'm like going, okay, look, this was they said this in '98. This when Q magazine and this album had only been out for a year. So, you know, that recency bias. But you go, all right. Their album's called White on Blonde. Well, Bob Dylan's obviously got to be in there with Blonde on Blonde. Mm-hmm. Like, there'd be a few Bob Dylan albums in there. There'd be, you go, all right, they're ripping off Motown here. But you go, okay, so you got to have like a bunch of Michael Jackson albums, a bunch of yeah, Beatles you'd, albums, you'd have to Rolling have, Stones. Mar- you'd have to have Motown is a great one because Motown's going to take up a shitload of the like post top 20 is going to be a lot of Motown. You're going to be a lot of British Invasion, also yeah. punk. Like there's a lot of seminal punk records. The Ramones first album, Sex Pistols, never mind the Buzzcocks. You yeah. got to put a Metallica album on there. Like they're not 89. I, no. <laughs> they can make it 389th. Uh, well, 
Then in uh, 2007, I think it swung too much the other way and an online poll of Scottish music fans voted it the worst Scottish album of all time. Yeah, this is against Scotland. It's either the proclaimers or nothing. That's the yeah. motto of that country. Uh, yeah, anyway, Black Eyed Boy, what do you think? What do you think of this song? I think it's bad. I don't okay. like the band Texas and I want them to stop. <laughs> oh, they're, they're still going. I'm sorry. Now, our final song. Steve from a song that sounds like it's from Motown to the last ever number one single from a group signed to Motown. This is Boys to Men and their song Four Seasons of Loneliness. Not a not not the best representation of Boys to Men in my mind by the way, but still. Not at oh, all. Oh, listen to that fucking that drum machine R&B beat from the fucking 90s. Oh, here we go, boys. Oh, to really make this a perfect 90s R&B song is you need a woman's voice going mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, this is, they had the white suits on the cover for this single. Oh, it's that one. Yeah. Boys to Men were such a specific time in the zeitgeist too. Like, because yep. they were all, they were supposed to be all Will Smith's friends on the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. They were yep. kind of just around. They also did themselves no favors by their fashions, was very sweaters and chinos based. Yeah. So they looked like a bunch of fucking virgins. Like just... I just want to let you know we want to kiss a gal and then drop her off. I don't think we're going to get to the chorus of this one. That's how long I don't think we are. Can I say this, though, about Boys to Men? Fuck can they sing. Like, yeah. holy shit. Yeah. Look, okay, we'll stop it there. So this is their final number one single in America. Yeah, this is the... This is... You can... This was to, this is when the boys became unemployed men. Yes. Well, here's the thing. It was only number one for one week as well. And that's after they held the record for the longest number ones three times in a row with their last three. Um, then to get to number one for only one week, they must have went, oh, no. Uh, I, don't think, a, I don't think people are uh, really into us anymore. TikTok backlash is coming, buckos. Well, R&B was getting either really spacey with Timberland Productions kind of stuff. Or, oh, yeah. or tough guys like Puff Daddy and his bad boy crew, which can I say, the dumbest name for a, a, like a crew, the bad boy You would say crew. that, but as it turns out, according to uh, hip-hop blogs and podcasts that I, of course, listen to, Puff Daddy is still the only one that will fucking still do it in the streets. If you haven't seen the recent video of him dressed up like the Joker, oh, and then yeah. a, guy, a guy actually got in his face, and like you could see Puff Daddy just going, what, what? And you're like, oh shit! I think Puff Daddy's actually gonna fight this guy. So that's this is the thing is he's the only guy where you're like, why did he call it Bad Boy Crew? And it's like, cause he's he's not being a, like we're bad boys. He's like, actually, I am a I am in fact and bad boy. It, it look to me, it just sounds like he should have like a Bart Simpson style slingshot in his back pocket if you're gonna call yourself the Bad Boy Crew. I think he probably does. Here's a weird thing about me and Sean Puffy Combs. He's one of the few celebrities that I genuinely believe if we met, he would be my friend. Yeah. I think that. I think that Puffy and I, I, there's something about him. Like, this guy seems like the kind of prick that I always end up really enjoying. And everyone else is like, this guy's a dick. And I'm like, yeah, I know, but it's fun to talk to at a party. Um, so even Puff Daddy did work on uh, some of this album. But like you said, like, they were so nice boys to men. And yeah. then when hip hop was coming in and it was like very tough, they just, you can't go from, oh, we're nice to now we're going to sing about them streets. You need to yeah. go, all right, this is who we are. And credit to Boys to Men, 
they never tried to change. They never saw that the like society and, and trends were changing and went, let's follow that. They went, no, no, this is what we do. And they're still doing it. This this is blowing my mind. Are they really good for them? Only three of the members. One of them, I there think, has go. MS, um, ah, and so shit. but he, he occasionally does come to gigs uh, and gets on stage with them. Um, but they're doing it in like casinos around America. Good for them. Yeah, earn your fucking cash. So this is another Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. So we started the episode with uh, together again by them too, and we're going to close it with four seasons of loneliness from them too as well. Uh, so like Babyface worked on the album as well their label was saying hey maybe you try and work with some of these new singers and like no let's go back to the well of the ones that got us the big hits and uh they saw Jimmy and Terry at the All-Star get the NBA All-Star game in 97 and said hey have you got any ideas for some songs and they went yes we do we have this uh, idea for someone going through the entire year still longing for them so everything every season reminds them of the girl that they lost and so the chorus, which I don't think we even got to, is them going through all the seasons and what reminds of the falling leaves and all that kind of stuff. And critics say, too many words in the chorus, not enough hooks. So funny. Yeah. And the leaves fell and the snow was <laughs> wet and I miss you and I will take a bet. That's the yeah. chorus, by the way. That's how it goes. It becomes a sea shanty. So it was a real departure. All right. So that is the end. Now, time, what we do is we go through them all and we decide whether or not they were hits or not, John. All right. Go ahead. This is all, this is all you, John. I'm, I, sta- I've, I'm, I can do it. I'm neutral on this. Okay. We start off together again, Janet Jackson. Hit, hit. No argument. You Sexy Thing by T-shirt. Not a hit. Chumba Wumba, Tub Thumping. Hit. Do You Think I'm Sexy, Entrance and Rod Stewart. Get in the fucking bin. Fuck off. Too Much, Spice Girls. Oh, hit me, baby. Sick with love, Robin Liao. I'm going to say hit. Sunshine by Dario G. Oh, fuck off, Dario. Black Eyed Boy by Texas. Guess again. <laughs> and Four Seasons of Loneliness by Boys to Men. Fuck it, hit. I'm saying oh, it's a hit. That's fine. I'm saying it's a hit. I'm that saying it's fi- a hit. 55% hits. We, ha- we passed. We got over 50%. Well, that's pretty good. That's a well. That's a message. You passed, but it was on the cards. It's because I like boys to men, and I did. I'm like, ah, oh, one of them has MS. That's no. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that is the end of season of 24A. Thank you, John, for doing this. Hey, you're doing shows in the comedy festival. Tell I the people that. Seven twenty at the Greek Center. It's violently still available. Check me out on all social medias at the John Hastings. I'm also appearing on Josh's other podcast. Come and uh, listen to that. Where I guarantee I do not play along. You, you, it's already done, but you can listen to it on patreon.com slash DYKWIA. So, yes, but if you haven't got tickets to those shows, get tickets. So there's three more uh, episodes left. Saturdays at 3 o'clock at Morris House, which is old European beer cafe. And also, thank you. I've got This is out after, but I did the best of best of 97 at Festival Club. Thank you, everyone who came to that. And you can also hear that at Patreon. Thank you, John. This has been great. Thank you, Josh. A pleasure as always. I'll see you next time. Bye. Bye, mate.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.